We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. But you see the same faces that you're like, how do those, do, do those people know the future? How do they always know that so-and-so and what's going to happen, you're not going to feel like that anymore. This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For news, rankings, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, head over to rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast brought to you by Mac Weldon. Rotowire listeners can use the promo code ROTOSOCCER, R-O-T-O, soccer, to get 20% off all of their orders at MacWeldon.com. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of Rotowire.com, and I'm joined uh, once again by Jordan Cooper, who's going to help us uh, kind of work through uh, his processes and um, help us all get better at playing DFS. So Jordan, thanks for coming back. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm uh, happy that I didn't put off as many people as possible on the last episode. <laughs> Just the opposite. We actually got some great feedback. Um, a lot of people were very appreciative of of everything that you were explaining, and so it was a slam dunk from my point of view to have you back on. Uh, we're going to try to do a little more of a basic DFS uh, conversation now, just trying to help people who are either just getting into uh, DFS soccer or those who are trying to you know, work their way into it a little, you know, a little more each, each slate. So this is more for the people who are playing, you know, 20 to 50 bucks a slate as opposed to 200 to 
couple thousand or whatever. But uh, you and I were talking before uh, we started recording that uh, I wanted to talk kind of about um, contest strategies of if I have 20 bucks, where should I where should I put it? And you uh, accurately corrected me that really it, it the first start is lineup building. And because if you if you don't know what kind of lineup you're going to have, then that kind of changes how you're going to spend that 20 to 50 bucks. So um, we kind of wanted to go in, you know, as a fresh slate, you're going into your DraftKings lineup. Like what are the first steps that you're doing uh, when you look at at a slate? And really these these kind of apply to any any slate, whether you're playing, you know, uh, Premier League or the random Thursday Europa Leagues or Liga MX. But there are a few core uh, strategies that you take um, for lineup building, and uh, I'd like to go through those. Okay, sure. And these 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 apply to any sport. I mean, obviously, every sport is has its own nuances. But the the preface to uh, DFS soccer is that uh, when it comes to line, what, there is a daily fantasy. Like people that are good at daily fantasy are typically good at every sport. But knowing the sport will still be better. Like if you're coming into uh, soccer from baseball or football or something like that, uh, it still would be better to under, you need to understand the game. If I have to explain to you, I don't think we're going to use this podcast to explain, uh, what a left winger is <laughs> designated on the field or what a forward is or how many players are out there. Like, I don't, are we, get, we're Andrew, beyond are we that. Yes. That newbie. Are we, okay. okay <laughs> so I don't have to go really, okay. There's a ball and a <laughs> right. net. And then they try to try to put it in. Okay, so right. Sometimes uh, they don't put it in, and everybody gets right. angry. Uh, the thing that I focus on that I've 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 essentially a process of seeing the slate is open to building a dummy lineup, which may not even be used. Uh, that I do every every single time in some aspect. Uh, instinctually, some of the things I already know, I don't have to. I could skip a couple of steps. But if you do this process, you will get up to the basically, as we said on the last podcast I was on, you will get up to the point in which you could probably write uh, your article, Andrew, mm-hmm. something something like that. You may not have the the little intricacies where you're going on like who scored or looking for specific stats or that who's starting, who's not starting. But at least coming from an aspect of uh, who are the better teams, what are the likelihoods of winning, who's home and away, like really like broad level sport type of things not mm-hmm. dfs type of things so you first me uh, everything comes down to betting lines and the reason that you look at betting lines is not because you know they're they're nostradamus or anything is that these are you know the sports betting industry is much more mature than daily fantasy and they, they take a lot more bets and they have complex algorithms and systems themselves they're looking to make as much money as possible they want that line to be as sharp as possible so that they can't get exploited by some smart better that has information that they don't have. So when you take a look at a line, that it reflects that. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know the teams, let's say, you know, you're going to, especially when it comes to like some of these new Europa League teams, you may not know some of them, or maybe when you're coming in from another sport and looking to play Premier League, uh, if you don't know what team is the favorite, you can't build a lineup. You've already lost. So you need to know. Who's who's favored over others? Who's playing home and away? And in soccer, as opposed to some other sports, uh, home advantage is much more significant. The home team traditionally will attack more, and the away side 
will typically defend more. And it's a lot of times primarily because of that draw point. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other sports where there's no draws, home advantage is a little less important. Obviously, travel matters. In the United States, you have, you know, five hours travel, and that takes an effect. In England, you get anywhere in a plane for an hour and a half, and you're there the day of type of thing. Uh, Because of that draw point, most teams, even the bad ones, want to win their games at home and try to get a point on the road. And good teams, the teams at the top of the table, will probably play maybe uh, slightly more defensively on the road, but they'll still be the attacking team because they are a much better team than the the home underdog. But the home underdog definitely wants to at least get a point. So yep. you have to understand that dynamic in soccer when you're looking at a line and you're seeing uh, Man City as a minus 160 favorite over uh, uh, Stoke. And you go, what does that mean? You have to go there first and go, okay, you know, if Stoke was at home, Man City would probably be a plus 120 favorite. Mm -hmm. Like, it it looks like it's a much closer matchup, but that's really, that's the home advantage. I think in in football, they count, what, like a field goal traditionally as home advantage in the betting line. So if you see see the home team favored by three points, it's really a pick Right. You're just getting three points because you're at home. So you keep that in mind. And what you're doing is you're looking on the slate, not in a vacuum. I'm going to say that probably term a lot, like don't look in a vacuum of there's five games on a slate, there's six games on a slate. You're looking at the lines in relative to one another. So if Man City, uh, I'm making that as an example, minus 160 favorite, uh, yeah, that's a that's a nice, decent favorite. Maybe you should look at them. If you see someone as a minus 400 favorite, they're much, much, much more of a favorite over that team than Man City is. And then you see a couple of games where it's like plus one, like the pick em type games mm-hmm. inside of the even odds. And you see a bunch of those. Those games could go in either direction. I mean, th- some of those games could go drastically in one direction or the other. Like the likely that the, the range of outcomes there is actually bigger than the range of outcomes in a game where one team is heavily favored over the other. So a, a, a game where uh, someone's a minus 200 favorite is more, they're most likely going to win. It's just a matter of, is the score going to be two, nothing or three, nothing. Yep. Or is the score going to be uh two to one or three to one in a game where it's more pick them plus one twenty versus plus one sixty eight type of thing. That game could be two nothing in one direction or two nothing in the other direction, or it could be one one. It could be two two. There's a lot more range of outcomes there, so uh, you 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 look in relation to one another, and then you're looking for the top thing, the first thing before you built the lineup is what's the most lopsided game? Who is the heaviest favorite? And you also look at the total, and the total, if you know the over under or whatever, is typically going to be in two and a half, and it's going to be tilted in one direction or the other. So you're going to have, you know, over two minus 135, under two and a half, uh, you know, plus 110. Uh, so that game's predicted to be at like three goals, 2.8 goals, something like that. Uh, if you see a three, obviously that's a higher total. If you see a two, that's a lower total. And you have to apply that to the money line, the minus 110 or whatever the hell, uh, that uh, the, the the difference between if, if, if the total is five and one team's 
uh, favored by a million or whatever. That's a five nothing score. Yep. But sometimes you do see totals of three and a half where it's more of a pick 'em. So that's really like like two to two type of thing. But after doing all of that, you look at the big. You, now we start with lineup construction. You go, okay, who's the biggest favorite on the board? And you go, okay, who takes their set pieces? It's really as simple as this because, uh, and we're talking primarily on draft. I was just about to say this, this is primarily DraftKings for this. Draft, right, this, yeah, right. Uh, there, there's going to be differences on FanDuel. Uh, and we'll talk about that also. Uh, the set piece taker, if you, since this is a new for new people, uh, gets free to me free points uh, because on the favorite you're going to have the ball most of the time attacking. The playmaking set piece taker uh, is the team is going to get fouled more. It's going to generate more corners, and even no matter where they're playing on the field, if they're a fullback, they're a defensive midfielder. If you're a center back, Daly Blind, mm-hmm. a lot of times fits that. But the center back is taking set pieces, uh, gives you that floor. And if you let's go back to even more new stuff, floor versus ceiling. Floor means that points that you could kind of rely on, and ceiling means uh, the m- most the, the the highest possible score that that guy is realistically going to score. So when you take a look at a forward. You typically have high ceiling, but low floor. Right, right. A guy that could score three goals or score nothing, but he doesn't get points anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And then then you have a defensive midfielder that has a floor of three because you get interceptions, a tackle one, you know, maybe a foul drawn, and they give you a three and a half. But the likelihood of them putting up an 18 is very small. Mm -hmm. Uh, So some set-piece takers... Are diff- I mean, a defensive midfielder who's a set-piece taker is different than a winger who's a set-piece taker, who's different than sometimes you get a forward in these three forward systems versus a center back that just because they're a set-piece taker doesn't mean, like, oh, they're a lock. I got to put all the set-piece takers in. Uh, also, when we say the word set-piece taker, there are different types of set-pieces. Yep. So you have to look. And also— there's some teams that rotate. So, I mean, this, this is not, this is not an exact, like, Oh, this person, take a look at Arsenal. When you look at that, you have expensive players and Arsenal's supposed to take most of the set pieces. And then you see El Nenny taking left sided corners. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that cannibalizes the value of the guy that you thought took all the set pieces that will happen. Well, but, they also occasionally also have a different guy taking penalties, right? Which just and complicates all- it even further. But no, a different guy taking free kicks. Penalties, it's hard. It, penalties, uh, uh, I know I rally and rant about penalties only because you can't predict them. Yes, I completely agree. Like that's agree. the thing is, like, uh, to me, taking someone that, oh, and he also takes penalties, like the Charlie Daniels pick, mm-hmm. I don't pick him because he takes penalties. It's just that if I'm if I'm deciding between him and another defender and about the same price, I may lean more towards Charlie Daniels because he takes penalties. Right, that t- that type of thinking, but you, I that don't falls get, into I don't, the luck goal, right? Exactly. Else. But there's a difference between uh, I think a lot of people, uh, as a specific example, get uh, Real Madrid wrong uh, because of Tony Cruz playing for Germany. Because <laughs> when he plays for when Tony Cruz plays for Germany, he typically takes all corners and all directs and most. Direct free kicks. The close ones sometimes Lewandowski will take. Uh, for uh, no, for Real Madrid, 
He plays for now, Poland. Oh yeah. Uh, what, what am I thinking of? Uh, Tom Mueller, Mueller, right? Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm now confusing that with Bayern, right? <laughs> which has another situation similar to that, also. Right. Right. Uh, Who Cruz used to play but, for? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, but Cristiano Ronaldo is a greedy bastard and takes like steals <laughs> all of those points from Tony Cruz, and then then now you add James starting, and you're like, well, he's going to steal the left-sided mm-hmm. corners and indirect free kicks. Then you look at a Tony Cruz at 7,900, but he's the set-piece taker, and not for 7,900. He's not a good pick anymore. Yeah. So now like, you go through that process. You would do that for each team. This is the point of what I said in the beginning of, well, knowing soccer, knowing the teams. You're coming in going, uh, I'm looking for the set-piece taker. But we're starting from the attitude of the people that may be out there listening going, never considered looking for the set-piece taker. So yeah. I hope that this is at least help you to go, well, look at those types of things. But not, not all of them are equal to one another. You may look at some of the, the, the sharper players in your contest that played a certain guy instead of this other guy. Like, why didn't they take the set-piece taker from the highest favorite team? And you look, and they took the set piece, uh, a half a, you know, sharing set pieces on a lower, on an underdog team and going, why didn't they go with the process? And then you go and you go, you know, well, because the highest favorite team, their current situation is three different guys maybe taking set pieces and they're all expensive. And is it worth that risk Mm -hmm. for to find the one guy that has that floor that it may just be three guys that have lower floors? Mm hmm. You're not as – I mean, it, last year you had a little bit of that with David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, yeah. although KDB ended up being the guy that took all of them. Uh, in, 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 I mean, look, you take a look at Bournemouth. It, when Stanislaus is in, he's, he's great because he takes pretty much all of them. Then when he's not in, you go, well, is it going to be Wilshire? Is it going to be Ibe? And they're all cheap. And you're like, Bournemouth maybe – sometimes Bournemouth is a favorite. And he can't even take their set-piece taker. With Stanislaus not in last right. year, you had Matt Ritchie. Now I'm using all these, you know, kind of examples to say to show the fact that that this isn't like you're not going to look at a spreadsheet for this information. It's not going to show you. Uh, well, here are all the set piece takers. I know uh, Andrew, you do list them in your articles, but you list them multiple people. Yeah, because it's it, it's like there's a hierarchy there. Some games it may not work out this way, but here's the most likely situation of who's taking these set pieces and when we talk about set piece takers we're talking about floor players if any of them scores a goal consider that gravy yeah we're really looking for sorry go on no i was just saying we're really looking for the build your solid your most optimal solid cash lineup first before thinking about how am i going to differentiate for gpps Mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of people also get a little too focused on getting set piece takers that they end up grabbing guys from heavy underdogs. And at that point, you're signing yourself up for almost nothing because uh, if a team is a significant underdog and you've got the guy who takes corners, you're, you might get two of them in that game and he may not even cross them. Like that's the other thing we have to say is that like every corner is not necessarily a cross. So right. there's nothing more infuriating than seeing a guy that you have uh, in your lineup at the corner flag. And then he just kind of, dinks it off to somebody next to him because it's just like a wasted cross opportunity. But like set pieces, set piece takers, including the corners, like it, it's important to to focus on the guys who will actually get those opportunities as opposed to just, oh, this guy takes corners, so I'll grab him. Like you got to 
go back to your you know your favorites. You want the guys in those positions on favorites. And also, depending on the position that they naturally play, they because they're part of that floor also. So if you have, uh, let's say, we take Daly Blind as that that weird example of mm-hmm. the center back, uh, outside you get into that situation where, well, corners are also variable. Sometimes teams only have two corners the whole game, mm-hmm. and they have been attacking. So you take a look at what's his floor outside of corners. Well, as a center back, not all that much. Yep. Then you take a look at a defensive meal, midfielder, and he goes up a little. Okay, you're going to get some tackles, one, some interceptions, maybe a shot. Uh, how about a set-piece taker that's a central attacking midfielder? That may be a shot on goal and two fouls drawn. How about a, sent, a set-piece taker that's a winger? Well, now you're going to get more open play crosses also. So looking in terms of, like on Chile, there's Charles Aaron Gee. He's a defensive midfielder. So in, in a matchup where Chile is an overwhelming favorite, he probably may take eight to 10 indirect free kicks and corners. So you're like, okay, eight to 10 at a quarter apiece uh, for DraftKings. Obviously, we're talking about uh, equals about six points plus his defensive midfield stats. It's like that's a that's a nice solid nine point floor. Uh-huh. But now you put him in a pick em matchup. Chile's still a slight favorite. Uh, and maybe they're playing on the road. And you go, uh, they may not get as many corners. And some of those corners may be short. Some of them may be taken by someone else once or something like that. So maybe you could only count on three or four. So you're like, okay, that's only two points. Right. Plus his defensive midfield four-point floor. Now you're down, you're, now you're at five or six. Mm-hmm. Now if he was a winger, a winger, even if, if it's a pick em game, we'll probably have the same amount of open play cross opportunities and fouls drawn and tackles one as anyone else in that position. Right. So it doesn't matter. So the set pieces is, is just that that becomes the luxury. It becomes you're you're getting someone that plays on the wing because they have a six point floor on the wing and then maybe four more set four set piece type of stuff there. Mm-hmm. So really looking at the positions and I see the mistake of people taking and I've hey, I've done it myself. An example would be uh, Daniel Wass of Celta Vigo yep. <laughs> uh, in La Liga, who plays as a as a deep lying playmaker. He's actually not a defensive midfielder. He's not a he's not a destroyer type. He's just a deep passer. He's more like Shabby Alonso mm-hmm. type of player. And hey, every once in a while he does play in the 10 and you look for that and you go now I'll t- now his price. I'll take him because he's in a much more advanced position. But a lot of times you look at at when Celta Vigo has is attacking very heavily, he could rack up like like eight points just on set pieces. But if that's a pick 'em game and Celta Vigo is not playing all that well, uh, they'll only have two corners and Wasp will get almost no other peripherals and right. sitting there with two points. And you're like, but I looked at the line, but I looked at he's the set piece taker and go like, well, understanding the game logs that when you're looking at it, like why they scored a certain amount of points mm-hmm. and like you have to take those into account. Why do you why do you think that the guy when you say he has a set piece monopoly and he's in a and he's like like Mauro Diaz in MLS, someone like that, like, well, he's taking all corners, all free kicks, all penalties. Yep. All every he's the centerpiece and he's the centerpiece of their attack in open play. Like that's the safest Dimitri Pyatt in EPL. Say he's the centerpiece of all of their attack, set piece or otherwise. 
obviously they're going to be the most expensive people. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it you have to weigh that in 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 a to the people that are forty eight hundred that only give you part portions of that. Yeah, is that, think, a, is that a good explanation of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and I wrote about this a few weeks ago, just about how um, a lot of people get really caught up on corners and they're starting to almost ignore open play crosses. Um, and just looking at like some stats. So we've talked about how Daly Blind has been taking corners for Manchester United, but only twice this season has he led Manchester United in crosses in a game. And he's taken corners for many more games than that. And so if you're focusing on guys like Daly Blind, like, oh, he takes crosses or takes corners, you're missing out on 10 cross open play crosses from Antonio Valencia, for example, because he's, He's actually moving in the attack, and if if you have a heavy favorite, sure you may get cr- corners, but you're more likely just attacking up the wings anyway. At least the way that that Manchester United plays. So like, don't don't ignore open play. Cry. I guess Andros Townsend's probably the best example. I think he he either leads the league in the Premier League in crosses, or you know he's, he's certainly top five. And I don't think he's taken more than one corner all season. So it's important to to not ignore. Uh, open play crosses just because you, you think you have this, you know, the, the corner taker from a favorite. Right. And also open play crosses are typically done from wide players. Yep. We always say with lineup construction that wide players are more valuable on DraftKings than central players. Uh, the, and uh, on a heavier favorite, the non set piece taking winger may be as valuable or less valued. Do the comparison in price with the set piece taker on the underdog team in another game like you're weighing everything in comparison but when if you're going to set up a worksheet and you go through the for yourself like to to do the process slowly before you could do this all in your head kind of thing uh you look at the lines you look at the money line you look at the total then you start you start with the heaviest favorite highest total game and go who's the set piece where's the attack coming from and maybe you have the set piece taker and maybe, you know, a forward, but the forward is goal dependent. But you get you don't worry about the forward right now. Uh, go th- and then go to the next one, the next highest favorite and the highest total. And you keep on going down and you just you write them all down if you want. Uh, but what positions do they play? Uh, the more that you could put someone that has a higher floor in a non midfield position is beneficial to you. Yeah. Midfielders are the ones that are typically going to have the opportunity to have uh, safer stats for you to rely on. So if someone is forward eligible, but they're a set piece taking midfielder, well, now you don't have to take a, uh, a forward that either gets two or 15 points. So because you're looking primarily right now to just build the safest cash lineup possible and then vary once you get to the end, then you could vary it from there. Uh, same for defenders. Defenders on DraftKings, because of tackles and crosses and all those type of things, typically the fullbacks are going to be more valuable, and the, the fullbacks are going to be on the home favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it probably going to be a little bit more expensive, but what you do, and my process is, I start from the bottom. I don't start from the top. And, mid, and when I'm looking at set-piece takers, I don't care where it starts. I'm just, hey, just how it happens that these $4,800, great. If it's 97th KDB, Payette, something like that, okay, I know I'm going to have to spend up there for those type of players. But in defense, the difference between a 4,800 salary defender and a 3,700 salary defender that is there, 
that the team is playing the same way. I mean, you have those rare instances. You have the Sergio Escuderos of Sevilla in La Liga. Yeah, and Sandro for Juventus. And Augustinson for <laughs> uh, for Copenhagen. Like, or Milner, I guess, would be the example in the EPL where there's something a little bit more than a fullback type yep. thing. I mean, even Charlie Daniels taking the penalties, you know, that type of whatever, whatever you're doing there. Uh, but for the most part, everyone else, it, the range of outcomes in between those fullbacks are typically very small. Yes. And especially when they're rotating, where it's a, you know, it, when Eric Peters is out for, you know, when like, uh, maybe not Eric, <laughs> on the others, when Glenn Johnson is Glenn out. Glenn Johnson, yeah. Right, you get Phil Bardsley. But if you take a look at, Glenn Johnson is a better player and a little bit more attacking player. Uh, but for the most part, Stoke plays Stoke's way, and whoever's in that slot is going to get the six points. Like that's it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So if they if they're starting a, a rotating in a thirty four hundred player, then play the thirty four hundred. I mean, you're getting so much value because if if DraftKings had the stats of them playing every game, that defender would be priced at forty five hundred. Just so happens that they're in instead of the other guy. So that's why I start at the bottom. I'm like I'm looking for those people. You're right. I'm looking for I'm looking for what Swansea fullback is playing because none of them play often enough for DraftKings to raise their price as if they're their starter. But Swansea is at home against Bournemouth or like a mid-table side that oh, maybe they they're going to actually get some points. They're not playing Man United or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you start at the bottom. You look for those teams. You don't you don't necessarily even care about underdog or not, but you're looking for home attacking teams and start from the bottom. Go and find the two cheap, the cheapest ones. Once you get up to that, like, like thirty seven. Oh, here's a thirty seven hundred dollar fullback on a home attacking team. Okay, put them in. Then you go up to forty one hundred, and you find those people. And you may upgrade by the end of it, but that's what you're looking for. That's good. Those going to be the the types of things we're talking about with the set piece takers and the cheap fullbacks. These are the core of your lineups. When people talk about mu- massive multi entry people that do a hundred lineups. This is the core. This is the people that are going to be in ninety percent of your lineups because having that thirty-seven hundred fullback rather than forty-five hundred, that extra eight hundred dollars allows you to differentiate four other ways everywhere else. And if you could just get the same points out of the forty out of the thirty-seven hundred dollar fullback as everyone else is getting out of the forty-five hundred dollar fullback, you win. Right. And you win in all of your lineups, and then you're able to be risky at the goal dependent forward. So this is the, what we're really doing by structuring our lineup for first a safe ca- – it, hey, it may not be high enough to even hit the cash line in some double-ups, but it's the safest – safe. I mean the boring <laughs> – you heard me in the last podcast. I'm boring. Just really fall asleep type of boring lineup construction of, yes, everyone knew he would have a floor. And, yeah, but you don't, a lot of times you don't have enough upside to even win in cash, but you're starting from there. Right. And, and then you go to the forward, and same. Th- you're looking for all you're doing is looking for a forward with a floor, and uh, you get the the Jordan Ibes sometimes, the Mo Barrows, <laughs> but but then you get like uh, like Eric Lamella, although he's off set pieces like and not starting as often. But you get those mid table Sun young men. Yep, I was just about to bring him up. Was 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 like that. The guys that aren't really forwards, they're listed as forwards, they're eligible at forwards, but they're they play on the wing. They play in a three forward system like that, you know, like Barcelona or something that, you know, they're 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 all of them. They're wingers, they're forwards, they cut inside, they do everything. 
Uh, you know, Pyatt is even uh, now classified as a forward. Yep. Like those, the, there's a, there's a reason why a lot of cash players, uh, you don't see Christian Benteke and Alvaro Negredo and uh, who who else would be in that mid table forward? It's, a, it's Troy Dini and right Salomon Rondon. <clears throat> right. These are goal dependent forwards for mid table, not really attacking teams that uh, don't put up any peripheral points, rarely. Uh, so they're not safe options. They're cheaper a lot of times. And I even consider, to me, I, see, I'm safe-safe that I even put Sergio Aguero in that category and Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy when mm-hmm. he starts or Islam Slimani or anything like that. I look at that and I go, how do I – can I put Hazard in there? Right. Can I put Pyatt in there? Give me a guy that really isn't a forward and that plays on the wing – and if they if they DraftKings makes him eligible, like you'll never see like last year, uh, other than the short slates, like I never played Harry Kane or Jamie Vardy. No, yeah. I mean, it was just it was it's in cash, it's something to differentiate. It's just that that I I eligible play. I, I'd rather put do the dinky do put two cheaper forwards that have play on the wings and get five or six points each, and then load up on Pyatt, KDB, and. You know, the insert, you know, Matt Ritchie or something like that when he was playing for Bournemouth. Like, it just I'll, I'll just beat you by accumulating. Like, that's the safest. That's that is the safest lineup. And once you learn how to create the safest lineup, it's one of those things that they'll tell in any industry. Once you know the rules, then you can start breaking the rules. <laughs> what uh, what instance would you pass on the set piece taker from the heaviest favorite? It, let me rephrase that. Yeah, that's that's D- a does weird price. Question. Yes, yeah, so, I know the question you're asking. <laughs> the answer is yes. So what 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 is that that line though? Where eventually you're like, I can't pay that for Kevin De Bruyne at home against Sunderland. Okay, well, everything you do is not in a vacuum. Things are rel- are relative to one another. So, uh, you see this a lot, especially on Champions League slates, where. You have Barcelona playing as well as Bayern Munich playing mm-hmm. as well as Real Madrid playing. And you're like, well, there's no way to fit in Ronaldo and Mueller and Messi. Neymar. And Neymar yeah. <laughs> right, and Messi. There's no way. There's no way. to, And that happens on EPL slates also. There's no way. Oh, uh, West Ham's at home against Sunderland and Man City's at home against uh, Borough and... Uh, 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 yeah, you have Chelsea, uh, and <laughs> right? Chelsea at home against, and, and it's like three, like, well, you can't have all of them or anything like that. And then you take a look at, well, Stoke is a slight favorite over uh, Sunderland or that type of team, Swansea or something like that. And uh, Shakiri is out. This happened. Uh, I mean, if you listen, it depends. It is timeless. But last week with Charlie Adam and you go, well, a $3,100 set piece taker. Mm hmm on a crappier team, but in a good matchup in a home favorite situation, like, uh, is he going to, is he going to, is, if you take that heavy favorite, uh, over, or at least somewhat of a favorite on the, on the other, on the, the, you know, the man Sid, the KDB, who's 9,800. And you're like, well, I think that this 3,100 guy or the 4,600 or whatever is that, are they going to score twice as many points as them? Do I think? Like on a natural, if 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 your guy 
that is 5,800, 4,800, that range, has an eight-point floor in that matchup, if you're going to play twice as much, you have to think that the floor, not the upside, not the ceiling, is it going to be 16? And you go, I, I don't know. That's, that seems like a like a stretch to say that do I would I guarantee that him to have 16 points without a goal or an assist. I was going to say, the, the considering floor is basically what am I getting without a goal or an assist? Right. And if I take the expensive player, do I have to punt anywhere? And I'm not a big fan of punting because mm-hmm. basically you're just saying I'm conceding one spot. So this this other spot equals the two spots. Yep. Sometimes that is the slate by slate basis, especially when there's an extremely heavy favorite. That is worth it to do. I define that in cash. Ninety eight percent of the time it isn't. Yep. Like you're not going to be in that situation. You're you're not going to have a slate where it's worth it to take the twenty nine hundred dollars center back only because they're twenty nine hundred, and you know they're only going to get two points just so you could fit in uh, Messi, Neymar, and Suarez in one lineup <laughs> type of thing. It's it doesn't happen that often. So you're trying to create that safe cash lineup and not punt anywhere. So that's why once you have all this in front of you, once you've gone through. Who are the favorites? Who's home? Who's attacking? Who's the set piece taker? Who's the playmaker on the team that is not the set piece taker? What are their prices? All that type of stuff. Start filling in plugs. Put those two, the cheaper fullbacks in. Goalkeeper, I don't even want to talk about. Goalkeeper, <laughs> the goalkeeper strategy for, for DraftKings, for FanDuel, it, it, it's a little bit more straightforward, but DraftKings is, uh, at the end of the day, if, if Andrew, if we talked more than two minutes about goalkeepers, uh, it would end up being a disservice because a lot of times that's the highest variant spot for that, sure that at the end of the day, uh, put in whatever fits You're more, you're ju- the range of outcomes on the goalkeeper. That's going to get shelled versus the goalkeeper. That is the heavy favorite. They equal the same amount of points mm-hmm. and you're paying for, uh, you're paying upward for the win in the clean sheet versus the eight saves. So if you can fit them, fit them. If you can't, you can't, uh, I, by, by default, just so I could do my lineup construction, I typically, as that default dummy spot, is the lowest priced home favorite. I, that, to me, that's the, like the, the, the cutoff. Mm-hmm. So typically, it may be the fourth goalkeeper on the slate. You know, the, the, that pick a matchup, who's at home and who's like the plus 120 favorite. Like, put that guy in. Yeah, right I mean, there, there, there have just been way too many situations where people will pay up for the heavy favorite. And if they're really that that big of a favorite, it's possible that the goalie doesn't make a single save all day. And all it takes is one idiot defender throwing a guy down in the box. And not only does the penalty ruin your clean sheet, but you have no saves. So you just paid up for the heaviest favorite and he gave you fi- the five point win bonus and that or and then you lo- lost a point for the, the goal allowed. I mean, it's just uh, right. Injury. It's what I call it in this situation is like it's one of those goalkeepers that will get you three or ten. Right. Based on the points, a win clean sheet or a goal against and a win. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Uh, I'm not disparaging those type of goalkeepers, but that's when you come. That's what you do at the end. Like at the like if you have money left over and you're like, well, I could just pay up for the goal. Fine. Then you're, you're done. You're good. Or if you want to pay uh, to me, that's where I get the money where I need an extra 200 so I could upgrade my forward to this. I'll take it out of the goalkeeper spot. Yep. Right out of out of anything because that's the highest variant spot. I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to take out my core fullback and go with the slightly less fullback that I like just so I could get. No, it's going to come out of the goalkeeper, mm-hmm. if anything. Uh, but you still got to put someone there so you have some, like, you know, the, play, the salary remaining per player. So you're building your lineup there. So that's what you do. You put in those two, those two cheap fullbacks that you find. And the cheap could be 4,200, could be 4,500, just in whatever those spots are. Uh, you put in the, the two forwards that, based on price and whatever, that actually have a floor. Uh, two, you know, midfielders that have set pieces. Now you're going to be putting these people in, and you're going to go, well, KDB, Pyatt, and, and like, no, you can't. Like, put in the, put for, for this type of safe cash strategy, typically you could get in two of them. You could probably do a KDB Pyatt lineup. Mm-hmm. So put those two in the slots, and <clears throat> most likely you want to put them in the forward slot so you don't have to worry about the goal dependence of the forward. And then you start looking for, well, now, who's that secondary player on the heavy favorite? Who's who's in who's in a spot now that, you know, they're taking someone's place that's injured, so they're going to be underpriced. Sometimes on Arsenal you get that with, like, like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean... Because their prices end up going up. Someone that, if you listen to a podcast from eight weeks ago, like uh, Sun Hyung Min, eight weeks ago from what we're recording right now, we would be a lock for fifty two hundred. But now that he's priced up at seventy eight hundred, eighty two hundred, you don't even look at him anymore. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and you have that every year. I remember last year, Moro Zarate when Payet was out, he was oh, a yeah. thirty nine hundred dollar forward. Only eligible at forward because there wasn't multiple position eligibility, and he was taking all their set pieces. You'd play him every week for six weeks until Pyatt came back. Mm-hmm. But then Zarate's price went up, and then the last you know week of the you know the couple of weeks of the season, you would never even consider him. Type yeah. of thing. You want to look for those opportunities. Yeah. Do you find that guys uh, make people use these? He's a great play. Do you find that more based on price or based on ceiling? Like Zarat, like that, like just like that, you'd say he's a great play at thirty nine hundred, and then all of a sudden he's sixty nine hundred, and you're like, I don't like this guy anymore. And everyone's like, Wait, right. but you just liked him, but it's because right. of no, the price. it's all right. It's all price and floor. All the stuff when it comes to value is all based on floor and all based on cash lineups. Mm-hmm. All but you're uh, reiterating it time and time again that you're looking to build the safest cash lineup first. It may not be the optimal lineup. You need to see what you're – you need to see the guts. You need to see that, you know, this is this is the chalk. This is the stuff that you'll probably see 90% of these players in Andrew's articles and mm-hmm. whatever other articles you read. Like these are the safest if, – if, if, if that – if you would now look at the article, the tout article for the next day, and it includes none of your players, like you're complete – like you're off-off. <laughs> and if they, they don't include your players – uh, there has to be a reason. I mean, like uh, it's it's there's going to be overlap if you have this system because that's how the chalk becomes the chalk. Um, this is the the I don't even want to call it the secret sauce. This is how the sausage gets made, mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, and but of course, if you play that, ju- oh, I'm just going to play that safe cash lineup. A lot of times you're going to lose with it, even in cash, because mm-hmm. you haven't you haven't analyzed it even further. But hey, there's plenty of times that that lineup that you do. And as long as the hour when the lineups come out, nothing changes, uh, that's fine. You, that A lot of times that is my cash lineup. And mm-hmm. I cash and there you go. You turn $20 into $40 because we're talking primarily with people that are playing with, you know, those type of bankrolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll do it. And then, yeah. Yes. You'll remember the time 
that you didn't play Sergio Aguero in cash and he scored a hat trick <laughs> and you didn't cash in anything. Uh, you don't remember. You don't seem to remember the four other times that he only scored six points. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good thing that you didn't play him when 30 percent of people did, even though Aguero was on the heavy fate like Man City was heavily favored and just so happened that Nolito and Raheem Sterling scored. Yep. And he, they won three nothing. And just because Aguero's had the highest goal scoring odds, people played him in cash, even though there may have been a more optimal lineup with three better midfielders than giving up that equity in in the forward slot. How often? So that's do you, why. Sorry. How often do you no, look at um at specific goal scorer odds, like okay. player odds? Okay. This is this this is now where we deviate from cash lineups. Goal scorer odds to me, these, these, this is a GPP tool not a floor tool. These are ceiling figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, goal scoring odds, uh, which you could find on a lot of, I mean, I use odds checker. If you go and you could see multiple sports books all at once in front of you to see the disparity between lines. Uh, I'm looking, obviously nothing's in a vacuum. You're looking relative. So a lot of times I, I put up tabs in my, my, my Chrome browser and I was like, it's like, like champions league. You'll have eight games. So, I'm just click uh, anytime goal scorer, anytime goal scorer. I just give me all eight tabs and I'll go to the first game and I'll see, you know, the, the disparity of what's the highest goal scoring odd, you know, the lowest goal scoring odd player. It's uh plus 150, which is probably the forward. Mm-hmm. And you go down from there and then you go to the next game and you go, what's what's the lowest? And you go, obviously, the heavier favorite teams, those numbers will get lower. You'll Sergio Aguero will be a minus 120. When Man City is heavily favored, Gonzalo Higuain for Juventus will be a minus 150 when they're home favorites. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, but I'm looking like, is there a minus 200? Is there a, it, a lot of times you don't get those. A lot of times the lowest in, in EPL will be plus 110. I was gonna say you'll you'll probably never find it in EPL. Right. Occasionally, occasionally you will when it's a really lopsided yeah. affair. You'll find a, a, the highest is plus 110. But then you, I'm looking for. If let's say we have Sergio Aguero in that matchup, who is maybe priced at 9K, and he, his goal scoring odds are plus 110, and then you go to the the Bournemouth, uh, Stoke, I'm trying to middle table versus middle table matchup type of thing, and you see uh, Callum Wilson goal scoring odds at plus 150, and he's priced at 6700, and you go, well, there's not that much difference between Aguero and Callum Wilson in this lineup in this in this in this matchup and then you then that's where you look at the totals and you look and you go well this Bournemouth matchup is actually an over mm-hmm. not an under if it's a heavy under you're like there may not be that many goals in the game like okay but in the in the Aguero matchup the total is 3 so he's been the 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 total line has shown that there will be more opportunities for Aguero, because anytime goal scorer just means anytime one goal. Right. So the more opportunities that someone has gets you more points in daily fantasy, but is not reflected in the anytime goal scoring odds. So if Aguero is like you get a lot of times the one sole attacker of a team, because he maybe have injuries are in, have a heavy, like an even odd, minus maybe minus one twenty, because uh, it's an under game, right? But 
if anyone's going to score a goal in this game, it's going to be this guy. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that they only predict there to be one goal. So you're looking at the ceiling being low, even though it's the highest goal scoring odds. Right. So in a game that's a heavy under, and sometimes we see this in World Cup qualifying and Euros and stuff with these national teams, that these these totals are all twos. These are all really low total games. And then, yeah, France is a big favorite. You're right. But it's still an under two. So if it's an under two, you can't say that both Dimitri Payet and Antoine Griezmann are both high ceiling players. They're not. Griezmann, yes, has the highest chance of scoring, but he'll score that one goal and get 18 points. Like, he doesn't have that high of a ceiling anymore. Mm -hmm. If the total was a three, he has a much higher ceiling because now the game is going to have more goals, more opportunities, less defense, and maybe he'll maybe he'll score two. Maybe he'll score none, but maybe he'll score two. Mm -hmm. Even but the goal scoring odds of any time goal scorer will remain the same. So you're looking at opportunity cost, and that Callum Wilson example, maybe that born this game is a three. I'm not saying it would be, but I mean it could be. And you're like he he has a less chance of scoring because maybe Josh Kins scores, or Stanislaus scores, or Wilshire scores more. People may score and not him, but they're predicting three goals in the game. They're predicting a score, an implied score of maybe, you know, two to one. He'll have more opportunities and his goal scoring odds on just scoring any one of those goals is at least somewhat close enough to that big, heavy favorite guy. Right. Score. So maybe in a GP, these are both, you're still talking about players that have no floors. These aren't cash players. But now when you go to a GPP lineup, that you're like, okay, I'm going to take this safe cash lineup, putting it to some cash games, uh, and then now I'm going to put, I'm going to make a GPP lineup. This is the only change you have to make. You take out the the lo- the high, the decent floor forward that you had. You put in the the Callum Wilson guy, and now now you have two thousand left. So now you could upgrade that forty eight hundred utility midfielder that you fit in, and you could actually get a a, a favorite set piece taker there. And there there you go. There's a GPP line. You didn't change anything. <laughs> And 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 also for a GPP line, you're looking to score as high as possible. So I I like uh, what if you could put in correlative events versus contradictory events. In uh, GPPs, you you want more correlative. You don't need correlative, but you don't want any contradictory. So in terms of putting, I mean the classic example is the the, the goalkeeper against your forward. Because mm-hmm. if the forward scores, the goalkeeper lose points type of situation. But, of course, we've seen plenty of times with DraftKings scoring that sometimes that is the optimal lineup because they take so many shots anyway that he scores and the goalkeeper gets eight goal, uh, eight saves. Right. But for the most part, if uh, I'm, I'm not going to take – I'm not going to differ – I'm not going to take or take the forward uh, in that example, the Bournemouth forward. If they're playing – whoever their opponent is, I don't want to have their fullback also. Because my ceiling on that clean sheet bonus, well, if he scores, my clean sheet bonus is gone. Mm-hmm. So that type of situation, looking at those little matchups, and if if you're looking to win a GPP and you're building that lineup to win a GPP, well, if that forward, let's say we have Christian Benteke, who is a target forward, so most likely there's going to be assist on one of his goals. It's going to be a cross to his head. It's going to be something like that. That's if you're also playing. Uh, a Jason Punchin or a Zaha or one of the other Crystal Palace players or anyone else on the team, that's a correlative event. So uh, 
you have much higher upside by putting the forward, trying to get the goal and the assist, or trying to get in a high total game uh, all the people that score goals. Like, not just the one. If you could get, you know, in an Arsenal game, if you could get uh, Sanchez and Oxlade-Chamberlain or something like that, and they both score goals in the same lineup, like, that's that's a high upside situation, especially when they they pass to each other. Mm-hmm. Some non-correlative examples would be, uh, that, that look like they should be, would be the defensive midfielder on a heavy favorite team and the forward. <laughs> the likelihood of them hooking up as the assist or vice versa is not as likely yep. as winger and the forward or the fullback and the forward, that type of thing. Uh, a defensive midfielder and an attacking midfielder. If you're in one of those like narrow systems that some teams play, that makes more of a sense correlatively. And I'm not saying you have to put in correlative stuff, but the more correlative the lineup is, the higher the upside, the higher your chance for winning but also the the higher your chance of not if that team craps the bed, your lineup's done because mm-hmm. you have three of those guys in. You have two of them together. If neither of them score, neither of them assist, you 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 crater two positions at once. So that's the risk reward of GPP and why in cash lineups I'm less inclined to play correlative players and more inclined slightly to play contradictory. I have no problem paying because when you play the forward that has somewhat of a floor. You're not playing them for a goal. So I, I, it's possible that, you know, that Eric Lamella type or whatever could put up 12 points without a goal, and the, the team that he's facing gets the clean sheet. Like, no one scores. So, I mean, I'm getting the points off the fullback and that in the same situation in cash. But in GPP, you, the, you're looking to win. Those lineups, you're building for that. And they get all the way back to what we, you know, we started with, with the, you know, you start with the lineup construction before you put your 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 them in contests. Uh, once you get to that point, then you could go, what's the risky lineup? What's the safe lineup? And what contests do I put safe lineups in versus what contests do I put risky lineups in? Mm-hmm. And then, depending on the slate, like obviously a two-game slate, the 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 the, the optimal line. I mean, it, it sometimes it's laughable how easy the optimal lineup is. Right. Like from a chalk perspective, because there's not many to choose from. There's, I mean, it, you're talking about four teams. So the most, the more, the more uh, uh, games that are on the slate, typically the more combinations you can make. But don't be confused with uh, the combination of total amount of lineups you could make versus the total amount of optimal lineups you can make. Mm-hmm. Do that safe lineup exercise and see sometimes on an eight game slate. There's no, you know, there's two such heavy favorites that you have to play those two guys. Like in any optimal lineup, it's going to be the set piece taker of the game A and game B. And because they're both eight to nine K, that limits everything else. You could look at all the other games and you could almost fade the whole game. You could look at a game that's a, you know, two and a half under with a, you know, a decent favorite at home or whatever. And just go, you look at their line. Is there, is is there a cheap fullback there? No. Is there someone that has a complete monopoly of set pieces? No. Is there someone with high goal scoring odds? No. Uh, and you go through all that process and you go, like, there's no one that I can rely on in that game. There are points, obviously, there are fervor points in that game, but you don't know where it's going to go. It's risky to pick one out of all of them. Is there someone undervalued? No. You don't, it, the, the, 
yeah, the fullback that gets all that crosses, yeah, it's 5,800. So it's not like it's that much of a value. And the set, uh, there's a guy that takes most of the corners, uh, but it's not like it's 3,600 that you could just risk it with that low price guy. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that on an eight game slate, some of these, some of the sharks, whatever, are fading games that you look at the lines and go, why did they fade that game? And it's because of those considerations of, the game, you know the score of the game. I, 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 I say this, Andrew, I think you could agree with me uh, with the di- why some people that play EPL are horrible at MLS or get hmm. frustrated at MLS, and some people that are great at MLS get frustrated at EPL. Uh, for the, I mean, this is the soccer podcast, so I mean, I know yeah, Skylar, yeah, JD, yeah. and Mike, you all talk about both leagues that I always say that in the EPL, you know you more or less know who's going to win. You just really don't know who's going to score. Yep. In the MLS, typically you know who's going to score, but you have no clue who's going to win. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, which makes it frustrating because you're sitting there going, Montreal's a humongous favorite. So you're like, okay, I'm going to put Piotti and Drogba in, and then uh, they lose 2 nothing. Yeah. But, I mean, and, but if they were to win... Those are the players that there's no one else that's scoring on their team in those types of matchups than those those guys. You know who's going to score on the Red Bulls. You know who's going to score on Dallas for the most part. Uh, the problem is is that it the, the it looks like a three nothing game and then they lose one nothing in the EPL. Those types of that that parity like that doesn't happen as much. But then you have this situation where Arsenal's a big favorite and you're it's risky to roster any of the players yeah yeah i think the biggest uh, thing going back to your uh, kind of the beginning of how you you know we see teams uh in mls at home are almost always favorites it, it's it doesn't matter who it is um there were only a handful of time literally a handful of times this season where there where we saw road favorites and it's i guess uh, you know, you would think that that means that most teams win at home, which theoretically could be the case. But just like you said, like we have Montreal at home against, you know, San Jose, and then all of a sudden the earthquakes win. And it's like, I find that there's more wackiness going on in MLS, except that the lines don't always reflect that. Whereas just like you said, in, in the Premier League, you pretty much always know who's going to win. Um, <clears throat> but, but that's but that's the range of outcomes. That's the thing that I said about the, the once the betting lines get closer that's actually the most volatile situation mm-hmm, because because mm-hmm. the when when it's that close a lot of times that that the the bookkeeper the bookmaker uh you know or or the algorithm that's behind it is is just reaction is just reacting on public bets that are coming in mm-hmm. like it's like they don't have any information to call each side of the game so it's just basically you know they got $1000 in so the line moves this way they got 1000 in that like they, it's such a pick 'em game that, like, obviously people that bet have a little bit more emotion involved in it. That the line moves based on the better the bets that are coming in that aren't aren't smart bets. Right, they're just coming in. But when a, a team is a a minus two twenty favorite, like everyone knows who the favorite is. That line, I mean. When it when it moves, it's moving because of new information, or you know, it'll move from minus two twenty to minus one eighty, or minus two twenty to minus two fifty. But you're coming into the game knowing that that team is probably going to win. 
But in those those pick those plus one twenty plus one sixty with the draw being plus you know one eighty type mm-hmm. of thing, it's like those are the games you look at and go, this could be anything. And that's all of MLS. So you're taking right. a look at <laughs> at home favorites. A lot of times home favorites are you know minus one twenty, mm-hmm. and I'm like. That's really not that's okay. It's not that big of a favorite, yeah. That's not big of a fit. That really isn't that big of a favorite. And it looks and when you look at betting lines in soccer, it looks if you're used to NFL football, it looks much different because uh, you have to take into account the draw odds mm-hmm. because in, in any other sport, for the most part, I believe a draw on that type of line because uh, ties don't. Ha- I mean, ties for the betting line, uh, like. You you push, you get your money back. Mm-hmm. In soccer, uh, you know if if you if you if you bet on one side and it's a draw, you lose because you had to have bet on a draw. Right. So those numbers will look you know much more tilted. So you'll see a you'll see a minus uh, 180 and then a plus 450 for the other team and then a plus 270 for a draw. And most people don't look at the draw odds if they're coming from another sport and go, they see plus 470 on one side and go, that's like five to one. Mm-hmm. Like in, in, in American foot, that's a heavy underdog. But it's really not. It's just because like they don't get saved by a draw. Your bet does not get saved by a draw. So you really have to think that they win. They, ha- they have to win 2-1 on the road against a better team. Mm-hmm. And in soccer, that really doesn't happen. No, that's a that's a five to one shot. Now a draw, yeah, that that it's it's all combined together. So don't look at those things and think that this team is so overwhelmingly over another. And then when we come to MLS, like those are all the games. Those like there's no you don't really get a minus three hundred favorite ever in the MLS, except for midweek when clown cars come out. <laughs> right. Uh, before I. Go to my next question. I got to take a break here to thank our sponsors, Mac Weldon. I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, anybody who goes to MacWeldon.com looking for a new pair of underwear or socks, undershirts, they got a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, can use the promo code ROTOSOCCER to get 20% off their orders. Um, Jordan, are you like a high-end underwear guy or sock guy? Well, well, the, th- the thing about underwear with me, like if, if, you, if you know like podcasts, the, the, my, my, my general thing is that like I poop a lot. Okay, and uh, the thing I go through more underwear. Sometimes I lose it. Sometimes you just like, where did that go? And it's kind of like socks. Uh, But I do go through uh, because my wife makes me uh, because I poop so much. And I she she thinks I'm I'm a 37 year old man, Andrew. Mm -hmm. And my wife thinks that uh, I, I, I don't I don't wipe well enough when I do. So she constantly thinks that I have poop on my underwear all the time. And uh, the fact is that, like, I either has to have to go through more underwear or I have to get more durable underwear mm. to prove to her that, like, I don't have... Did, did, see, this, this is the weirdest ad read. This is, this is actually the truth that <laughs> uh, 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 Mac Weldon is the type of thing that, like, I haven't real, I really seriously have not looked into it, but now... In talking through the process, this is exactly you, what you Andrew, need. Right, I think because because I've I've been I've been going and getting you know whatever you know the the cheap the uh, the the uh, the I've been punting my underwear, mm. Andrew. I've been punt playing. Yeah, it's I've time. Been, you know, right, it's time to pay up. Yeah. I got I, I might as well 
pay up for that spot because Get those uh, high favorite set piece uh, boxers that you've always been waiting for. Right. And I wear boxers. I don't like the boxer briefs type mm. of stuff. But, but I mean, I, I, I literally like like every month have to buy like six new pairs of boxers. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, but, you got You got it's time to upgrade, Jordan. Time to upgrade right. indeed. And you can do that with 20 percent off your order with Roto Soccer over at MacWeldon.com. dot com. OK. Um, are there any players in any leagues really that look like they're they should be good plays and you've just decided you're never going to play them because either they burned you before or really burn you before? The, well, no, this is, well, this is, I mean, this is not a Lee win. I'm not going into that way, although he's probably the poster boy for that. But um, like what we touched on it a little bit earlier about how, you know, some teams do split their set piece takers. Um, but are there are there certain teams where, you know, it's like even if they're a favorite, you're still going to avoid them? It's a slate by slate basis. Like don't come in. Once you start coming in with preconceived notions and thinking things that happened in the past, like I got screwed by, no, you got screwed by your own lineup construction. You took a, you may, it was a riskier play than you thought. And it didn't work out because El Nenny took corners and not Ozil type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but you have to figure that out into the price, the risk of the price. That's why when I, when you talk about the defensive midfielder that splits set pieces, like really it's a five point floor, but that is a safe five point floor. Like you're going in with a, a guy that is twice as much priced. You have to be twice as sure that he will take the monopoly of set pieces. Mm-hmm. And then the first set piece you see come in, some other person takes, and now your eight K player has the same now ends up having the five point floor of the four K player and you could, you just got screwed mm-hmm. in the process of that happening. But that's all built into the price. So that's why you take a look at uh like you mentioned Lee Wynn in the ML in the MLS, uh that he was splitting when Tierney was out, he was taking set pieces. When he was then he was back and he was taking some of them or whatever. Like Sometimes you look back and you're like, well, how do I figure out who took what? And I know, uh, Andrew, you do have like, you know, a chart of the past 10 weeks of corners, you know, th- those types of things that you do put on Rotowire. Uh, but like, I- I'm thinking of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Let alone not what like, I'm not looking at uh, 10 cross game logs from from eight weeks ago. It's like, what have you done for me lately? And the more uncertainty, it's almost like the, you know, like the, like the stock market, like the more uncertainty there is in that's the guy you have to weigh that into the price. So if you, if there's an 86, 85, 8,600 player that, you know, monopoly of set quote monopoly of set pieces, but it's possible that so-and-so may steal it if he's playing or this guy may be whatever. That's not an $8,600 player. That's a 7,200 player. Right now. If you, ha- if you have the room to take the risk, cause you're not paying up as elsewhere. Sure. But you have to build the risk into the price. And that's why when I uh, I always talk about on my podcast, like a guy like Dimitri Payet, uh, like when whenever he's in an optimal, you know, when it's a home favorite, like I, you can't get any more. If he was 15K, it probably wouldn't be worth the value. But you still can't risk versus reward. He's still the safest. If you have, if you have 15K and you could build a lineup around it, He's still the safe in the safest cash lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, we have right? that with Sebastian Javinko, right? In the MLS, mm-hmm. it's it's you can't you can't get any more safer. But he's so expensive. But you can't get any more safer. <laughs> yeah, you have to build the risk into the price. You're you're not 
it's fourteen. It's fourteen thousand. That the basically you're playing the risk of will he get ten versus twenty two, but you it's very rare for him to get four. Right. You're always going to get, but you're always going to accumulate enough points, even for that price, that he's a, almost a play all the time for safety. And, and unless you could look at another game where you could find someone where you look at and you go, he's safe. Like maybe sometimes a lot of times more Diaz or Sasha Kleistian mm-hmm. in a good matchup. Uh, you go, oh, there's safety. And then that those are the uh, those are the times where you're like, maybe I will fade Giovinco. But if you can't find that other guy, you have to plug in. The, you have to you have Cristiano Ronaldo sometimes on the, the UCL slates is like, yeah, I could fade Ronaldo and fit in X, Y and Z. But like, show me the other safe, the safest guy out underneath him. And where's the rift between? Is it close safe or is it like uh, like with Giovinco and MLS? It's like he's safe. And then he's on a slate with, you know, San Jose. He's on a slate with uh, Montreal, uh, and you look at Montreal, and you're like, well, Donadell typically takes. I mean, like that's mm. that's a risky. You don't know who's that. Harry Ship could be taking set pieces for all you know for Montreal. So that's not safe. San Jose, you never know what the hell's going on there. Is it Dawkins? It's a Quintero. Oh gosh, that's such it's, a mess. <laughs> right. That's a, but but those are the type. You look at that and you go, yeah, there will be a lot of crosses or anything, but like I don't know what the distribution is. So I'm looking through all of that and going, is there any place where I like I know I'm going to get points from that one guy? And if I say no, then you plug in Giovinco for 14k because mm-hmm. you know that that you know, like yeah. that, and then you build from there. Yeah, I think we and I kind of touched on this in a previous podcast, but I feel like people get so caught up on getting, you know, two x, three x, four x of the price that they're ignoring that you actually need the points themselves to, to, to win. Like the, the goal is not, uh, who can get, um, the most, you know, who can get the most guys with three X of their price. It's like, you actually need those points. And that's what, like, that's what the floor is like the actual points that you're scoring. Um, as opposed to, uh, you know, Oh, I got six points out of this guy who was only 2,200 bucks. And it's like, well, that's great. But your, your six points aren't going to win you anything because they're just not enough points. Do you have kind of a a goal uh, of how many, you know, what sort of value you're getting per either position or per player? Like, how do you do you actually like try to project how many points you're going to get? Uh, not specifically, uh, because I I don't I don't I don't do those type of algorithmic analytics and projections. I don't I I look for opportunity costs. I'm looking at more more like an investment and not as much as a uh, as an exact science, but yeah, I, I mean, everyone kind of says like two times value, three times right. value. That's kind of, kind of like a, you know, like when he's, Oh, he made value. Yes. Uh, that's kind of like an average, like you, you want, you typically out of, out of like defenders, you want three for midfielders. You want two forwards. You want one at least out of that, but it's all, everything can't be done in a vacuum. It's relative to the slate. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the slate, Take a look at how many hot, how many overs, how many unders. What's the total amount of goals that are going to be scored on this slate? If that total is on the higher end, you're going to need a higher score to cash. If it's on the lower end, you're going to need a lower score to cash. And it's going to be sometimes it could be a hinge on one player. 
that scores three goals. And if you don't have them, you're done. Right. But sometimes it's just a matter of on, on, on games where everything is an under that type of thing. Like a lot of times that you, you take the least amount of risk because since there won't be many goals scored, as long as you get one of them and you could get lucky with any, uh, a set piece takers could score a goal, a fullback is a, you know, you, know uh, you, you have a center back in and he scores a goal. I mean, it could be anything. Uh, but you know that if everyone's play, let's say you know that 40% of people are playing this high-priced forward, even in cash, uh, because of goal-scoring odds, but everything's an under. There's, there aren't going to be that many goals. Uh, as long as you get a goal from one of your seven players, you've equaled the one goal that's the most likely to score in that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's a lot of overs, you can, you're not going to be able to accumulate enough on safety for the amount of goals that are going to be scored on this slate. So that if you take a look at a, a cash line uh, for, for like a double up on, on a, on a slate with five games that only four goals get scored, like you could cash with a 68. Right. Right. And who cares about that? Like, like no one made value. Yeah, but you cash because the slate, it doesn't, you just needed to get enough points to get over that line. Mm-hmm. And then you'll take a look at, at, well, I threw my whole lineup got three times value. Maybe not. Th- my old lineup got two and a half times value on DraftKings. I got a one twenty-five, and I didn't cash anywhere. It's like yeah, because there was a six to one game. There was a that you didn't have anyone in. There was a three to two game. There was a one nothing game, and you'd see that there's twenty-seven goals scored amongst these six games. And it's like, like yay, you got you got the guy that 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 uh, got fourteen crosses in. <laughs> and scored you 11 points for only 3,800. Way to go! But none, you have no goals anywhere. You have right. no like none of those players scored enough to beat out all of the. And some of them are random. Sometimes you know the 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 floor fo- the floor defender forward gets two assists. You can't predict that. Right. But they pl- these other people played him, and you went for an even safer pick that. Yes, you got your value, but you still didn't score enough. And like I am very I mean, and I've said it on Twitter and even on my podcast that in my my typical cash game strategy, I usually do not do well. Usually I bomb on slates where there is a multi goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And when they are and when the multi goal scorer is a goal dependent player, only because I'm playing cash safely. So when that Sergio Aguero or Harry Kane or Jamie Vardy or those types of players, when they score one goal, I'm fine. I could get 12 points out of some everywhere else better than you can because you've spent up for Vardy or something and you've neglected. You're you're getting three points out of one defender and five points out of another defender. No, but I'm getting eight points out of one defender and 10 points out of another defender. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make up that goal that you scored there. But if he scores three goals, I, I can't make that up on fullback tackles one. I can't make it up. I can't make it up on, on volume at that point. So a lot of times those multi-goal scorers that are typically not cash plays, the more of those that start coming into the picture, you have two people that get put up a brace. You have, you know, you have, uh, you have a, a midfielder that had, you know, two assists and a goal and you don't have them and combined with two, you, I mean, you, you look at, I made value and cash nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's a little too much emphasis on making value as opposed to 
scoring port points it seems but well it's making value for the slate that you're on sometimes right. making value on a low goal total slate making value is one and a half maybe mm-hmm. versus a high goal total maybe it's two and a half three but it's not in a vacuum it's really in comparison to what the slate looks like if you if you took if you took a uh, 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 spain as a five goal favorite over whatever you know andorra or macedonia some small island and uh like they score eight goals like that's the cash line is going to be ridiculously high. If sure. a lot of people have Spanish players, regardless of well, like I got the value in all the other games. <laughs> well, you too bad. Everything is slate dependent. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why I don't mind uh, talking about like this type of like, how do you build lineup construction? Cause I, I guarantee there, there are, there are, there are people listening that uh, are getting a lot out of this. There are some people listening that may be frustrated going like, like you're not telling anything like what should I, but what should I do? And I'm sorry, but the answer is it depends because these are the things that you should be thinking about and the processes that you should be going through your head to analyze what type of slate this is to what type of lineup do I build for this type of slate? And every slate is different. Mm Mm-hmm. In poker, every hand, it, there's nine people at the table versus seven people. There's what position are you in? What how much how what stack sizes are? Like you can't just go in and say, what do you do with ace king? Do you raise with it? And I'll be. Uh, it depends. It depends. What what is? You play three handed. You're playing with a guy that's just drunk and don't dump him. I mean, so you can't talk in terms of well, you fit this guy in and then you just set it and forget it because then like we wouldn't have a podcast talking about it because someone would have everyone would be doing the same thing. We'd all have the same lineup. Right. Right. Like it, like, so you have to take these things into account and understand. And I enjoy, you know, I enjoyed the educational factor of saying, look at these things and understand that this is what better players are looking at. If you haven't even considered it, some of this is completely new to you going, Oh, I never considered X, Y, and Z. I never, Oh, betting lines. Like, Oh, Oh, uh, not playing center back. Like this is the base. Look through all of this first and see what you could come up with. And a lot of nine times out of 10, your lineup is not going to look all that different from mine. Mm -hmm. I'm, but I may win 20% more than you, uh, in cash games because of the, you, your fullback got three points and my fullback got seven. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's, that's, and really, Mm -hmm. And really, that's it. And you look and go, oh, a lot of people played that fullback, but I played this one. And you came in sixth in an 11-person double-up, and me and five and four other guys didn't. And that, and we can't tell you, like, there's no answer for that until you see the slate, until you see an hour before lineups. All of this changes. I mean, literally, the, the heaviest favorite could go to, I don't want to take anyone on their team because one guy is injured. Right. Or once a, a set piece situation becomes untenable, where you can't count on, uh, I mean, you, you see it with like even Man City. You go, well, KDB is out. Who's taking set pieces? Who knows? <laughs> right. It could be Navas. It could be Nolito. It could be Sterling. It could be Silva. It could be, and they're all decently priced. And you go, here's a minus two forty favorite that I have to fade the whole game because all of them are at risk because mm-hmm. no one has. They they all have five-point floors. It's like, no, no, but they're too expensive for five-point floors. I need the guy that has a ten-point floor, like KDB. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be that guy? No, there's no guy like that. 
and then you end up fading the the three total game of the heavy favorite, and uh, by not considering it, you're the one that is losing playing David Silva, and then you take a look at all the sharper players, and you look, why did they fade the heaviest favorite mm-hmm. at home? Uh, and and one they played this guy. How come no one played Silva or Sterling or? That's why. But a lot of you can't do that on a podcast. You need to have that process. So when you get to that point and you go, well, what happens when you take KDB out? What now? This whole process that we went to through this entire podcast, you have to start over with an hour to go. Right. Before the, I mean, like you literally sometimes when a major core part of your lineup and thought process, it's like, oh, I got to put this guy in like. The, my cash lineup and my all my like, that type of stuff, and then you go, well, a value play opened up of a two K. Now you get to save two K. It's like, well, now the optimal lineup is completely different. Yep. And you have to have the process in place to be able to do that over and over and over and over again. And you will get sometimes some of it wrong, and sometimes there will be multiple optimal lineups. Some people go with the I'm going to punt defense and play three forwards, and they get just they get one twenty seven. And you did the complete opposite, and you got one twenty-seven. Right. So, like, it you, it could work both ways, but without a process, you're just it, you're just it's throwing darts against the wall, and you're never going to get really better without just like this is not player picks. It's like you know the formations, you know the soccer, you know the lines and everything, and then if something changes, where to direct and like and being able to mitigate and assess your risk and know what is risky. Versus what is less risky and enter the obviously the uh, contests that have lower cash lines, double ups. And, you know, those are for safer lineups and riskier lineups are you want to win 10 X's and the the GPPs. That's where really where you go from there. Yeah, we're uh, going a little long, but I want to hit on another topic, kind of where you were heading right there. Um, When you you've you finished your cash lineup and you've decided to to start working on your tournament stuff. What's the first position that you go to differentiate? Is it the forward spot? So you're looking for the more goal dependence. I mean, are you changing fullbacks at all for a GPP it, lineup? Uh, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I said. It's not in a vacuum, but primarily the, primarily the, the forward. Yeah. Prim, pri, primarily goal to higher. I'm looking at higher upside players, upside, upside, upside. And in the process of you changing the forward, like I need to pay down somewhere else right. or pay up somewhere else. That's where you start switching those guys. And when you start switching, if you're going to switch out a full uh, forward and a fullback, because you have to, that 4,800 fullback, you have to bring down to a 3,900 level fullback and then maybe bring down your goalkeeper a little just so you could fit in that fullback, just so you could, so you could fit in the forward. Like the fullback that I'm choosing, I'm trying to choose, like I said before, correlative mm-hmm. or non-contradictory for that position. And then I see that, well, uh, if I change the midfielder, I could get a, I could actually pay up for fullback and then pay down there. But I mean, but the main thing is just like, how do I increase my upside while still betting with myself? And I think that uh, a lot of people may in, in be inclined to do in GPP is to try to cover bases when mathematically it makes no sense. Uh it's the same situation of when uh, you bet – if you bet on roulette and you bet $10 on black and $5 on red, 
And let's put put a, put aside the fact that there's two green double zeros or whatever. But even on a flip of a coin, if you bet ten on re- ten on heads and five on tails, it, you win. You quote win either way, but that is literally the same bet as just betting five on tails mm-hmm. and zero on heads, because you lose five here, you win that. It's the same amount of money. So if you, if you're going to go, I'm going to build ten lineups. And I'm going to build a lineup if Man City wins, but I'm going to build a lineup as if they lose. And, like, you're betting against – now, you might as well just have one lineup with less equity in it than have two lineups that if one lineup were to win, the other lineup would definitely lose. Right. Like, just choose a direction. Just whatever the direction is, choose it. Just don't put – that. put less money in. If you have $50 that you're playing on a slate – uh, don't let's say on a 50, 50, you have $50 to play on a slate and you're going to, you're going to put 30 into cash, the double ups, you play one lineup for 30 bucks and you put them in the twos and the ones or whatever, the, whatever you want. And then you have $20 left to put into GPPs and maybe, okay, you build three lineups. Uh, you put that lot, you put all three lineups, you put in the three, the striker or something like that. Three, three, three. You put in maybe like the nutbag or the whatever the dollar one is called. You put in the quarter arcade. So each of them have an equity of about maybe five or six bucks, right? So mm-hmm. you have five or six bucks and maybe three lineups. And then you have like 30, 35 in your primary optimal cash lineup, that type of thing. There there, there you go. Now in each of those, the, that $6 lineups, like you don't, you're, you're not trying to bet against your cash lineup. You're try, just trying to get the higher upside version of your cash lineup. So that's why in the changing of the forward to, to the forward on the same team that you have the fullback on, you may not play the fullback in that lineup, in that GPP lineup, but you're still essentially saying, I think uh, Arsenal is winning and scoring two or three goals. You're not saying, I think Arsenal is winning and scoring two or three goals or their opponent is, is doing the same thing, right? Like it, it, you just don't make that lineup. Like you're, 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 you're cannibal. You're, you're putting more money down to feel like you're winning when your ROI is actually exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You're putting a hundred dollars in and betting on both sides and going, well, I, I bet on all the horses or whatever. And it's like, and you came out even. So like, cause you bet on everyone. I mean, like that's, that's not winning money. Like you're not going to do anything that would just make a strong choice and you go for it. Uh, and when you, the equity that you put into each of your GPP lineups, uh, should never be, if you, if you, if you're trying to build a bankroll or whatever, uh, it should never be more than the only your double up winnings in cash. Cause your cash lineup may be in triple ups or something like something like that. But mm-hmm. You never want to make it that if all all your GPP lineups bomb, that you're you've lost five bucks. Right. Like and your and your cash lineup did well because if it, you come into the same situation of if you're gonna play that way, just don't play cash, just play five GPP lineups. Mm-hmm. If your cash line if if you win on your cash and you lose on all your GPP and you're still and you still lost, you might as well just not play cash, and vice versa. That if you're throwing away G- – if you're throwing these, like, I mean, long shots in soccer, because remember, it's not the millimaker maker where you can make a million dollars. If you're playing 
one cash cash line where you're putting in 95% and then you're making 15 $3 lines. Like what, what, what are you doing? Just play cash. I mean, like it, it's one direction or the other. Cause you, why, why put $3 down to bet against your double up lineup? It just, it may just bet less money mm-hmm. and that's fine. It's perfectly fine to do that. So never go against yourself in uh, the outcomes that players may be different. Um, if I think, if I think, uh, take Man City for example, if I think Man City is gonna, gonna score and th- th- more opportunities for goals, my safe cash lineup will have KDB and maybe KDB only, uh, because uh, at least this year their fullbacks aren't really worth much. Uh, then in, I, if I have three GPP lines in two of the th- those three, I'll have KDB, and then one of those three, I won't have him at all. And I'll have Aguero. Mm-hmm. And then one of the lineups, I'll have KDB and Aguero. And then uh, the, uh, another lineup, I'll have KDB and Nolito or KDB and Sterling. And my primary cash line will just have KDB. So I have, like, all of these outcomes. But I'm not, like, if if Man if Man City in that situation put up a goose egg, I'm done the whole, I'm done everywhere. So, I mean, because I'm going, that I'm going for the like most likeliest outcome. My cash may be, my cash line may actually be fine even with an underperformance from KDB in that situation. But I've gone in that direction. I'm not playing, here's the lineup if Man City does well. Here's the lineup if Arsenal does well. Here's the lineup. You can't cover that many range of outcomes. Right. Take It's it's so much simpler to be right on one event, on one main event, than be right on three smaller events. So to say that you think Man City is going to win by two and Arsenal is going to win by two and Liverpool is going to win by two. Uh, you would pr- be more successful picking one of those outcomes and, and getting the, uh, the opportunities for each of, for, for, for that game. So if you're going to say, I'm going to pick Man City, I'm going to play those two guys, but fade the other two or right. play a cheap guy in the other two, the guy that may show up, a Jordan Henderson shows up with a goal because they're cheaper to put in your lineup, but it's worse to try to do, uh, to do, I'm going to play Nolito, then I'm going to play Owobi, and then I'm <laughs> going to play uh, Mane, and go, well, now you've made it so that all three, out, all, they both have to beat the, the three games where those teams have to win for those types of outcomes to happen more often, and it has to go through those three players. Right. It's much easier to predict uh, Liverpool's going to blow out Watford, let me take two guys from them and don't care whether or not Man City win at all. Just who cares? Mm-hmm. Just because I could get if if Liverpool puts up six goals, I'm I'm most likely they're going to put up enough points that no matter what happens in the other games, who cares who it was? But if I get the other game right and I picked the wrong guy, like I could get all the outcomes right and lose. Right. Right. Because you didn't pick the right guy. Mm-hmm. It's easier to pick the right outcome than pick the right guy. So go with the easier outcome, and then just your GPP lineups are the combinations of all the players of that. Mm-hmm. So when if you're going to think Liverpool is going to blow out someone, uh, you just pick the your cash lineup has Coutinho. Your uh, GPP lineups, one has Coutinho Firmino, one has Coutinho Mane, and one has Mane Firmino. That doesn't have Coutinho in it. So you have... Basically, every guy in three out of four lineups. And you go like that, and you go, hey, if Liverpool scores five goals, 
four goals. It's probably going to go through those guys. Yeah, you may show up with a Lovren goal here or there, but, you know, that's the direction I'm going. So you don't even have to watch the Arsenal game. You don't care. Right. You know, let, let someone else bet, bet on it's going to be Mane and Awobi and it's Sanchez and, and Firmino. And, like, like in order to build that many multi-entry outcomes for those type of situations— isn't worth the first prize in soccer. So it's mm-hmm. not even worth it to do 150 entries like that. It isn't even worth it to do. And if you're operating on a $50 a slate bankroll, you can't go contradictory to one another. You don't have enough money for that. Because the amount of the, I mean, look how many combinations I made. Three three combinations. But then you have to add, how about you add Adam Lallana to that? Right. <laughs> you add Jordan Henderson to that. You add James Milner to that. Like, you you've gotten to your net, net, you, that that's eighty lineups right there. Mm-hmm. You can't cover all of that and make and it's worth it to make money. The first prize sometimes in a three dollar contest is fifteen hundred dollars. Right. Like why are you bothering to do that? Just make a strong choice. Pick the two guys. Don't buy people, especially in EPL. No one the, the distribution is rarely ever going to be like that. And that's it. Those are your GPP lineups. And on some weeks. You get it wrong, and all of them bomb because, like, no, it was the other game. And -hmm. then people had players in that game. And you're like, oh, well, I should have picked Walcott instead of the two guys from Liverpool. It's like, well, you had every shot of getting – it could have been Walcott. It could have been Sanchez. It could have been Giroud. It could have been Ozil. Like, it just could have been whatever. But it's easier to pick the outcome of the game than the outcome of who's going to score the points in that game. So pick the game and then make the combos. And that and that that's it. That's your, those are your GPP lines. They don't look that much different than your cash than your cash line. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, if you have four lineups, uh, that that typically that like that thirty one hundred player, that forty that extra stupid value play that you look at and you go, I got to take this guy. Like this guy is going to do a cash lock type of stuff. That's someone that may be in four out of four of your lineups or six out of six of your lineups. But uh, the let's say those two set piece high floor midfielders, like let's say for example KDB and Pyatt, like you don't have to put those two in six out of six of your lineups. But in your main cash, you may put both of them in, and then you may have both of them in in two of your GPP lineups, and then one in one and one in the another GPP, and like you you, and then in the lineup that you have like the Arsenal attackers you had walcott in the forward spot then that's the instead of having kdb you have ozil instead of kdb and Pyatt, you have kdb and ozil then you have Pyatt and ozil and then you have kdb and Pyatt, and then you have just kdb and then you have just Pyatt. that's mm-hmm. six lineups you right. got i mean that's the combination of six lineups and then you switch the forwards around so it's you have all you know two forwards with three forwards is three combinations so you could do that twice with six lineups so there you go. You have your six lineup combinations that are all based around this safe cash lineup that you created as your core, and you made that strong choice. I'm going. I'm targeting this game and that game, or just one game with two guys for GPP. And you said your fifty dollars has been spent. You put the double up. Do you have one lineup? Your optimal optimal lineup, safest lineup possible. You put in your double ups. Your your cheaper triple ups, maybe. I mean, you don't have much money to spend, so you're really, you know, you're doing the one dollar double ups and three dollar double ups, and maybe you throw, uh, you know, a dollar two in the triple up range, and uh, maybe you play five dollars in 
head to heads or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other you put in the pretty much going to be the three and the one. I wouldn't suggest the two. Uh, this, this is just as a post note, I guess. Uh, always look at the payout structures because sometimes they change. Sometimes the striker has a flatter than not. Sometimes the I, I found that the, the $2 tournament typically has a more top heavy than the $1 tournament. Hmm. Only because if you take a look at 6th to 10th place, a lot of times they, they pay all those spots the same. Right. And like the $2 one, so that makes it even more top-heavy because 10th to 6th, like that, that's, those are the spots where you want it to increase like that. So like I'm looking at like where do I double up and where do I 5x up? And if 5x up is 8th place, like that's extremely top-heavy, even yeah. for $2. Uh, but in a $3 tournament, that may be 26th place. Or something like that. So I typically, typically, if you're on a small bankroll, at least usually on DraftKings, uh, the tournaments you'd be in would be the three, the one, and the quarter arcade. Mm-hmm. And and that's and like you you wouldn't be able to afford because you're playing cash. Because you, if you're playing, let's say three GPP lineups, I mean you're talking about that's four and a quarter per lineup. So three or four equals what twelve, sixteen bucks. Well, in order to play sixteen dollars in GPP. You need to put like two times that in cash to offset everything for your for your equity. So you have 16 in GPP. That means you need 32 in cash. Well, we're hitting 48 bucks. And if you're on a $50 a slate type of thing, you're done. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You're done. Now, if you're going up to $80 a slate, then you start adding, you know, then you start adding uh, typically to the cash. You, you start adding a three dollar double up, uh, an extra one dollar triple up. You keep on moving up like that, so you could see, so you're generating enough data that you could see what you're good and not good at as the process of you moving up. And as long as your GPP lineups are, you know, do you have a cash main cash lineup that's twice as much as all of your GPP lines put together, and you're able to go through that process and get to the point in which you look at Andrew's article and go, no duh. Uh, that's, there you go. I mean, you're, you, to me, uh, as far as I know, this is a long podcast. I think that this, this is a, this is a one oh one of how you go from, uh, wow, I'm getting beaten most of the time every week to, wow, it's, it's nice to see that like, like I only lost this double up by three points or, oh, I managed to win this double up by three points. But you see the same faces that you're like, how do those do, do those people know the future? How do they always know that so and so and what's going to happen? You're, you're not going to feel like that anymore. You're going to be able to go through the process as long as you guys commit to the process. And that's why I like talking about the process, because uh, you still have to do it. So I'm still going to beat you because <laughs> I've done it longer and and have more. Refi- I'm not. There's no holding anything back. This is the process. But some people are quicker and more intelligent and process information quicker and at, especially when lineup lock comes out. So like when when we talked in the last episode about touts, like to me, if I give you player picks now, basically, I'm telling you how to beat me. It's <laughs> like I can't I can't if you pick the same players as me. How do I beat you then? Right. That type of thing. But if I tell you all this, you could go and try doing this yourself. But the skill comes down to who does this process better. Right. On a week to week basis. And uh, so so feel, go at it. And if you have any questions, I mean, I'm on Twitter or whatever. And 
Andrew will chime in, even though sometimes I take a look at your lineup and go, well, obviously you don't have the same process as me. <laughs> yeah, it happens for sure, especially when I completely miss lineup blocks on a random right. Conmey ball slate. <clears throat> uh, yeah, the, so that's great. And anybody who wants to find uh, Jordan on Twitter, you can find him at BlenderHD. He's the same uh, on DraftKings and FanDuel. And Jordan, I appreciate everything that uh, you've been dispensing on these podcasts. Thanks to Mac Weldon for sponsoring the podcast. Um, again, anybody who wants to get 20% off their order can use the promo code ROTOSOCCER. Uh, Jordan, thank you for the fifth time in the last uh, 25 seconds or so. And uh, I'd like to say good luck to you, but you, you don't need it. No, I always I want luck. I want to win all of it. I want to win all. I want to win it all, all the time. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you're not going to be like that, then I, I need to be able to to afford uh, six pairs of underwear a month. That's a good point. So, I mean, good this point. is going towards my underwear. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.